This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Once again, we are short-handed today. My guess is that we've actually lost probably somewhere close to 20% of our tens and tens of listeners because <laughs> Vinny is not with us and you've, after several days, have said, oh boy. He's going to be gone too much. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hold tight. He's coming back. So you can join us hopefully back again. But we, I've been missing his presence. He had some car trouble this morning, so he's been out for this week's worth of recordings. And this week's worth of recordings have been dealing with Jesus Christ, his person, his work, and um, today we want to talk about really his death and the whole idea that is expressed in the Apostles' Creed and other confessional statements of that he descended into hell. And so really what we're thinking about, what we're talking about is what was happening when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let's start with that. Was Jesus forsaken by the Father on the cross? When Jesus quotes mm-hmm. Psalm 22, mm-hmm. is that a declaration of the forsakenness of Jesus Christ? Um, yes. Kind of like the, I think the water to wine question we dealt with yesterday. But I think that the, the, we have to look at the, the, the two together you know, as far as the wrath of God and what that means. When we talk about being forsaken of God, it it means that all of His wrath is poured out upon that object of His uh, forsaking. And Jesus, this I mean, this is this is really I think what makes the gospel such a profound a, a profound thing when we consider that He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. In order for Jesus to in order for us to be saved and to be redeemed and considered children of God Jesus had to take the punishment that is due for our sin he had to endure it he had to be forsaken he had to have the wrath of God poured out upon him and uh, when he's in the garden and he's sweating you know drops of blood under such mm-hmm. uh, torment of soul and he says to his father, you know, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He's referring to that cup of his father's wrath, the cup of God's wrath that is going to be poured out upon him for the sins of all of his people. I mean, it's not just one person that he's paying the sins for. It's all of his people. And uh, uh, so, yeah, definitely on the cross, we we see Jesus bearing the punishment that is due for our sins. I don't know if this is helpful to think of it this way, but when I talk about that 
statement from Jesus Christ, my God, my God, he's quoting Psalm 22, mm-hmm. what Jesus is experiencing is the forsaking of the of the graciousness of the Father. Mm-hmm. It's not that the Father has a, abandoned him, but the Father is only in interacting with him in, in wrath. Mm-hmm. So he is experiencing the the loss of the gracious favor of his father, mm-hmm. um, but he's still in, enduring the presence of his father, but only in his wrath. And so this would be the same thing as hell. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is what hell is. God is not absent from hell. No, he's the God of wrath there. But mm-hmm. he's only there as the God of wrath. Mm-hmm. There is no graciousness for those in in hell, and and that to me is what Jesus is experiencing mm-hmm. is and, the, and he, and the he, loss and, of the graciousness gonna, of the Father, and he's going to experience that in its full measure on the cross as he suffers for our sins. Mm-hmm. Ryan mentioned uh, him in the Garden of Eden. He anticipates this in Garden the Garden of, of Eden. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> excuse me. I say garden, and it's just a yeah, and I'm right there. Um, but uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's ex- he he's anticipating mm-hmm. taking up the, that cup of wrath, and he, he says, "My soul is sorrowful even to death." And we're told, even in in the Gospel of Luke, it, at this point, the Father hasn't removed his gracious favor, because in the Gospel mm-hmm. of Luke, it says. After he says, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, nevertheless not my will, but yours be done. It says, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. You know, so he has been given a messenger from heaven to strengthen him in the garden so that he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't die right there. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that, okay. that you said that in the Garden of Eden – he actually was anticipating it in the Garden of Eden. Yes. He was. I mean, that yes. actually is a true statement. That is very true. Yep. So you were you were actually in safe territory, <laughs> yeah. John. Thanks. Because I mean, that's when when it first the shadow of the, of the cross first appears. Right. right. Yeah. That the the seed of the serpent is going to bruise. Yep. The the heel of the seed of the woman, mm-hmm. and and that crushing of the heel, that bruising of the heel, is you start to see in the Garden of Gethsemane into Calvary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, the, that is the work of, of Satan under the direction of, of God mm-hmm. to crush his son, to use the words of, of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And that is, is the pouring out. And I think that the three hours of darkness is the, 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 that moment when, I mean, Luke will say that the whole land, or while the sun's light failed, mm-hmm. and the language of the minor prophets is that darkness. Well, even the message of Exodus that darkness is is judgment, mm-hmm. and this is that three hours of God's. It's a supernatural darkness <clears throat> that brought the judgment of God upon His Son. Mm-hmm. That that is, I think, the time period in which Jesus is fully burying the sins of His people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. In this discussion too, I mean, we we talked about a couple of days ago of uh, you know the the divinity and the humanity of Jesus, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the things that we see in the garden, a reminder that Jesus was not only a hundred percent God, but he's a hundred percent man, and he did take on our weaknesses, he did take on our infirmities, yet was without sin, and so we see him as he's preparing to bear this weight mm-hmm. of judgment that 
he is anxious and uh, there is a desire that if there's another way and it's not that he is unwilling it's not that you know for the joy set before him he endured the cross but yet we also see that he understands our weaknesses and I think that's one of the great things that we have about our God is that he does understand our infirmities and I and I think that uh, this goes back to you know what we were talking about earlier in the week about the as we were addressing subjects of the Trinity and the two natures of Christ, you know, one of the things that we, you know, the Heidelberg Catechism brings out, you know, about his sufferings, why must, it's asked the question in question 17, why must he in one person be also very God? That he, by the power of his Godhead, sustain in his human nature the burden of God's wrath and might obtain for us and restore to us righteousness and life. The only way that Jesus could have sustained the wrath of God and the forsakenness of, of God is the, in, in the power of his divinity. Mm-hmm. And how those that three hours of, of darkness where he bore that that wrath was sufficient. Equal, sufficient for, for all the sins humanity. of his people. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes there's confusion, I think, on the, the phrase he descended into hell. I actually think the structure of the Apostles' Creeds lends itself to that mm-hmm. because it, if you read it, it feels like it's chronological, that mm-hmm. he died, he descended into hell. He rose again. And he rose again. And ascended. I don't read it chronologically, and I think it. the Heidelberg says, why does the creed add he descended into hell? And the answer is, to assure me during attacks of deepest dread and temptation that Christ my Lord by suffering unspeakable anguish, pain, and terror of soul on the cross, but also earlier, has delivered me from hellish anguish and torment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That I don't think he died and then went to hell. That he endured hell while he was alive. And that it was during those moments that he descended into hell. And then I think that the, the whole conversation if you will of jesus with his father on the cross demonstrates this my god my god why have you forsaken me the only time in the life of jesus christ only time that he didn't refer to god as his father right mm-hmm. only time. exactly yeah but by the time he's done when the it when the quote lights come back on after that three hours of darkness jesus emerges and says father into your hands I commit my spirit. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's he's descended into hell. He's paid that that cost I, and his yeah. work is done and he's saying, Father, I'm done. Well this language descended into hell is is really the English translation of the Apostles' Creed. Yes. And uh, when we go back to the Latin and then you know what we're talking about here in this descent in in that is he descends to death he you know that's that's what it's saying mm-hmm. uh, ultimately it's just he descended into death mm-hmm. um it's telling us that he truly died yeah and and so the you know the language you know the apostles creed you know the the if you go back uh, through the creedal statements that language he descended into hell wasn't even in the earliest versions of the apostles creed you know Go back to eighty three twenty five or 
by the by the fourth century, basically the Apostles' Creed was fully written. Mm-hmm. You know, when we say Apostles' Creed, we're not saying this is what the apostles said. This is what the apostles taught. Wait a and, minute. Paul wrote this right after he wrote the the King James Bible, right? Exactly, <laughs> and and that so so it wasn't until about the eighth century that you know we eighth eleventh century that we have the the full formal statement that we have in the Apostles' Creed, but it was pretty much there in the fourth century, and yeah. that was and that phrase descended into hell wasn't there because it it just it really was just a reminder that he died. Yeah. The- uh, shorter Catechism and larger Catechism of uh, uh, Westminster, both speaking of Christ's humiliation, talk about how he remained under the power of death for a time. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that people will actually think, Christians think, that he actually did die and then he went into hell. But when he died, you, what you have to know is that at that point, his body and spirit were separated just like we are. Mm-hmm. Everything that we experience, Christ experienced. And so when he says to the thief on the cross, today you will be in paradise. He meant that. He was that. Mm-hmm. Jesus' soul went to heaven. His body remained yeah. in the grave. And 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 his body was kept from de- decay because that's what God had promised. Mm-hmm. And so he's Jesus is saying, I'm committing my, my, mm-hmm. my body and soul to you, and God was going to watch over it. And so the, we don't need Jesus to literally descend into hell because that's not the experience of a child of God. We've been saved from that. Mm-hmm. And so our experience is, is the same as the experience of Jesus Christ. We'll talk more about the whole idea of what happens after death tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening, and we will see you then. <laughs>